IBN is proud to bring you the following podcast. Welcome to Deconstructed. I'm TJ O'Hara, the principal political analyst for IBN, the independent voter news. Our goal on Deconstructed is to break down important political issues with outstanding guests so you can develop your own more informed opinion. My guests today are Michael Allman and Ty Humes. Mr. Allman is an elected trustee for the San Diego Union High School District, and Mr. Humes was appointed to serve the remainder of the term of a trustee who had stepped down. Both gentlemen have significant business experience as senior executives. Both are parents who have witnessed how the educational system has changed over the years, and both are committed to trying to improve the school system to better serve the students. Both also have been challenged by the teachers' union, Mr. Allman by recall election, and Mr. Humes by removal in favor of a special election. I thought it would be interesting to explore what might have caused the rift within the teachers' union in such short order, and where the best interests of the children fall within the administrative equation. Welcome to Deconstructed, Michael and Ty. Hi, TJ. Thank you. Thank you. Now, gentlemen, you must have set some sort of a record when it comes to lighting the fuse of the teachers' union. Michael, you won election to the board last November that tipped its majority toward independent trustees who were beholden to the parents and students as opposed to the teachers' union. When did your term begin, and how long did it take before the teachers' union served you with recall papers? Well, TJ, my first meeting was on December 15th after being elected in November, and it wasn't but six months later, after an all-day and most-of-the-night 11-hour board meeting, that the head of the teachers' union jumped me literally in the parking lot and shoved the recall papers in my face. So less than six months into a four-year term. And Ty, you made that time frame look painstakingly slow. When did your appointment (laughs) officially commence and when were you removed? So it commenced on the April board meeting. I believe it may have been April 22nd, but it's the April board meeting. And I was removed on June 10th, to be exact. Now, in fairness, Ty, the teachers' union's opposition to your appointment was procedurally based on the argument that your appointment was rushed and less desirable than a special election. Is that a reasonable argument for the union, or are there mitigating factors that would suggest that there was a vetting process and that special elections have not been favored in the past relative to appointments? Definitely the latter, uh, that it was uh, mitigating factors. And there's also a contradictory on their end as well. How much would a special election cost in lieu of a simple appointment? The projected uh, numbers, and Mike may be able, obviously, the sitting board member to confirm this even more so, but $650,000 is the uh, price tag that was given to the voters. And I did a quick research project on the past 10 years, and out of the 92 school board vacancies, 88 were filled by provisional appointments. So why do you think you were receiving the pushback right away? Um, Because literally it came down to one issue. We voted for an interim superintendent, and I, I voted with four of the five board members for that superintendent, including a former educator who's on the board. But that was against what the union wanted, and that's when they put the recall or the removal process into place. Out of fact, in terms of, I stated earlier that it was in contrast to what they've done in the past, there was a candidate prior in those 88 person elections you mentioned 
where they did not go against the removal of the person because it was the candidate that they chose. So there was no consistency on their part from that standpoint. But one of the persons I'm running against in the election, it's been stated that if they had been appointed, they wouldn't have even undergone this process. Um, And I was appointed unanimously. And she was inclusive of that process where I was appointed unanimously. You know, speaking of inclusive, how many other candidates were vetted? And I think it was, wasn't it a six-hour meeting that night? Yes, it's a total of seven candidates. Is that correct, Mike? I think that's right. TJ, we spent a long time, uh, a full vetting of all the candidates. Uh, They filled out a written application, had additional questions that I had. Much of the debate took place in the public. And it was, as Ty mentioned, a unanimous vote. But it's a shame that uh, the number he quoted, uh, upwards of $600,000, is per election. And that money comes out of the general fund of the district. So it's money that could and should be spent right in the classroom. Michael, as opposed to a procedural challenge, the recall effort against you is far more entertaining (laughs) in my perverse sense of humor. The teachers' union accused you of violating the district's code of conduct, and more specifically, for having been too disparaging to others during board meetings and on social media. And I have to suspect that whatever you said probably fell short of what the Supreme Court recently held to be permissible for a high school cheerleader. But <laughs> tell us, tell us, what did you do and what did you say that raised the ire of the teachers union? Well, what I did isn't the same thing that what they're claiming I did for the recall purposes. Fundamentally, what I did, which got their the hair on the back of the neck up, was that I fought very hard and vocally to have our students back in school, in person, as quickly and as safely as possible. And that was against what the union wanted to do. They wanted to spend the entire school year having the students learn remotely from home through distance learning. We know that that's not an ideal environment for kids, far from it, and they should be in school and we can do so safely. So that is the fundamental difference of opinion that we had. But now they're just throwing spaghetti against the wall. I saw a clip, for example, where they said, I was just mean to someone who interrupted me when I was questioning the superintendent during a board meeting. And a non-board member interrupted while I had the floor. And I used some words to say, please be quiet. And that was used as an example of basically that I'm just mean. Now, the reality is I'm passionate. I feel very important that our kids get the best education that they can possibly get. And that includes, of course, being in person where you can learn from our fantastic teachers. And until we get that done, we're holding our kids short of where they could be. So that's the reasons that they stated that they want me to be recalled. So they have about four months to collect enough signatures to force an election. And I'm going to attempt to prevent that. It struck me as odd because I know Justice Breyer made the comment in that opinion on the high school cheerleader that part of what schools must teach students is the value of free speech. And his exact quote was, America's public schools are the nurseries of democracy. Our representative democracy only works if we protect the marketplace of ideas. So I'm assuming that that doesn't translate into the way that the trustees are supposed to meet. You know, that's a bigger issue, TJ, for maybe another one of your podcasts, but I created a Facebook group uh, called the SDUHSD Families for School Reopening, and it has a couple thousand members, but it's a private group, 
and a lot of great discussion comes in there. And, oh, the union is just not happy with that group. They are used to having controlling the narrative and having their own channels of communication, and they don't like the fact that parents are getting organized now and are asserting their First Amendment and other rights to be heard. And after all, that's why we're here, them and their children. That's why we have a public education system. And Ty, the trustee you were appointed to replace had been threatened with recall before she resigned, and the superintendent of the school district resigned during your first meeting. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. And while the original objection of the teachers' union to your appointment was procedural, the gloves have come off since then, and particularly since you announced that you'd run in the special election for that seat. Tell us about that experience and why you think there's such animosity directed towards you. Because I guess in anyone's unofficial straw polls, I seem to be that I'm going to be elected to the position and there's overwhelming support once again in Area 5 where we're running. The union has done most of its canvassing based on people, and you had just stated and Mike had just stated other in terms of narratives. Their conversations are with people who share their narrative. That does not necessarily equate to the people who will be voting in this election on November 2nd. So uh, there's been a complete smear campaign to, one, try to get me to drop out of the race because it's been a huge attack that's involved our family and things of that nature. And then, two, I've been through worse things in my life, so it's been a matter of, well, uh, we'll impugn his character. I just came from an event last evening where someone unofficially had another event and turned it into we're, we're behind Ty. And by coincidence, all these people live in the voting area, uh, now area. So these are direct votes. It was completely people who had never met me coming up to me and go, I can't believe they're doing this to you. It goes, I've watched you be part of this community and build things for the past nine, 10 years. Anyone who's saying this obviously was never part of this community because anyone who has been would never even make those comments, even if they didn't like you because they saw you, they, you help build what they have here with their kids. Gentlemen, we're going to take a quick break and talk more about your experience with the San Diego Union High School District when we come back. Looking for an insider's perspective? Join IVN's principal political analyst, Dr. T.J. O'Hara, as he deconstructs America's most pressing issues with notable guests from across the political spectrum. Subscribe to Deconstructed for fresh perspectives and no partisan spin. Welcome back. My guests today are school board candidate Ty Humes and current trustee Michael Allman, both of whom have come under fire by the area's teachers union. Before we move forward, I'd like to frame the San Diego Union High School District to provide perspective for our audience. There are approximately 14,000 students in 10 schools in this district. 2018 through 2019, about 10.8% were eligible for free or reduced price lunch. 4.2% were English language learners. The reason I bring that up is this is an unusual district from the average district in California. For example, the average district has nearly eight times more black students and nearly four times more Hispanic students than this particular district. And it's also very wealthy comparatively. So the question is, would it be fair to say that the San Diego Union High School District is predominantly white district in a relatively wealthy North County coastal area in which minorities are significantly underrepresented as compared to state averages. Do you agree, Michael? 100%. You can't argue with that data. We're a wealthy district, and we are predominantly white, no doubt. 
And Ty, for the one meeting you were allowed to attend, you represented the first black trustee in the history of the school district. Is that correct? Uh, yes, I did get a chance to sit in on two or three board meetings, but there were a couple that came outside of the norm. But yes, that is correct. In the 86-year history, I became the first black. Now, I'm not suggesting that your removal was racially motivated, but it certainly was disappointing. What are your thoughts on the union's actions in your specific case? Very sad. And the reason it's sad is because they're educators. And if this was third shift longshoremen, and no disrespect to third shift longshoremen who made these decisions, that would be a one discussion. But these are the people educating our children, that's one. And then two, on the heels of the, so the racial climate right now, on the heels of the George Floyd situation. And they're out here preaching one thing specifically, and I'll take this part as a, as a black American about Black Lives Matter. The signs don't mean anything. It's about what you do in life and your interaction and your ability to bring people to the table and work together as Americans of all color. So if you have a situation where you really will have, just based on demographics, very few black Americans live in this area, and they're probably less and less because it's becoming a biotech hub, and that's not something that black Americans generally go into, you have a chance to actually, sometimes history comes to you, you to be part of history. You've decided to remove me solely because I am not a rubber stamp on you. Now the issue becomes tough for you because it's optics. As Mike said, you can't argue with the data. So you had a chance to make a difference. Now, if I came in right away and said, oh, well, we should do everything the union wants, believe me, this most likely would have never even I'd be in the office now until the term is over in 2022. So this is the issue as educators where they actually are not being the leaders that they at least appear to be, and they go out and they preach to everyone. And it's very sad because once again, they're the leaders and they're educating our children. Any other corporation or career or entity or even government entity, it becomes less of a discussion because they're not leading our children. Ty, in these days when we talk a lot about privilege, that word is bandied about, the union president, Duncan Brown, said, quote, we have been a high-performing district for so long, I really don't understand the mindset that everything needs to be changed. And that really does seem to be their mindset of changing the culture that was once collaborative and cooperative into what we currently have, end quote. Based on that quote, do you think Mr. Brown, and given the demographics of the district, recognizes privilege when he sees it? No, he does. He's clueless. There are people who are nefarious and they make decisions based on that different discussion, they know what they're doing. The sad part is when someone's a leader and they're clueless and they're following a litmus test or a path that they have no idea they're going down. And that's the part where how did he even get into a position of leadership amongst educators? And Michael, the union president's quote suggests that you aren't the only board member that the union appears to be trying to pick off for trying to, quote, change the culture from a collaborative and cooperative one into something different to use his words. Who are the others? And are any of you trying to change the culture from collaborative and cooperative into something different? Or do you have a different objective? Yeah, of course we're not. Collaboration and cooperation is how we get things done. To answer your question, there is in a five-member board, there are three trustees or former, in Mr. Humes's case, who are being targeted by the teachers union. Board President Maureen Mo Muir, 
is also being asked to resign by the head of the teachers union over uh, a question about her residency. She's lived in this community for 20 years. They hired a private detective to follow her around. And the depths to which this individual and this union will go seems to have no bottom. Here was the criteria used essentially for opposing the three of us. As Mr. Hume said, none of us are rubber stamps for the union demands. Now it doesn't mean we can't work together, but it does mean we have to consider all of our constituents. That includes taxpayers, that includes, of course, students and families first. And they just don't like the fact that for the first time in 25 years, that a majority of the board does not consist of union-backed trustees, which meant that in the past, you know, collaboration meant in his framework that the union would support trustees for office, who would then hire the superintendent that the union would like, who would then negotiate the contract with the teachers union, which would then be ratified back by the board. And that's a nice complete circle there that, you know, if I was in his shoes, I might think there's a good deal too. Well, that change with my election for the first time, as I said, over 25 years, a majority of the trustees are independent of the teachers union. We're not supported and beholden to the teachers union and put students and parents first. I recognize our mission is to serve the children of our community as best as possible. So that's really the fundamental issue. Ty, when Michael says that it's the students and parents first, do you believe the trustees have that responsibility to represent them first, or do you have a different perspective? No, completely the same. Uh, obviously, the union is the becomes part of that very important infrastructure, which Mike talked about, obviously, taxpayers, the rest of the community, but the union is right there in the center of that infrastructure, along with the administrators as well of the school district. But the focus is the parents and the students, the family, and then everything is built based on that and what resources we have and how does everything work together. They want it flipped that it's what works for them. And once again, I do not get that logic from people who are educators. Now, Michael, you have just a little more experience on the board than Ty does, and I know it's been tipped towards an independent board. Have any of the non-independent trustees also been aggressively treated, or is this just unilaterally focused on the independents? No, it's on the independents. In fact, the union-backed trustees are treated with kid gloves. And when there's an opportunity to stand up for the children and do the right thing, like the most important issue in the history, arguably, of our public school system in this country, or whether students should go back to school in person, particularly this last spring when the cases were dramatically dropping and we learned more from the science that young students under 18 don't get COVID as often, they don't transmit it as often, when they do catch it, they recover more often. In spite of all that, the union back trustees said, I don't want our kids to go back to school. And then when it looked like we were going to anyway, okay, two days a week would be appropriate, where the independents were trying to get the maximum amount of in school learning because we know that that is best for the kids and they're the ones who really suffered this year many of them lost over a year of their education that's going to be tough to get back you just can't take summer school and call it even some of the learning loss here will be permanent the consultant group from mckinsey has estimated that 
as much as six months of this will never be recovered, and the net present value of earnings lost from those students exceeds by far any cost of the pandemic of these students. So it is a mindset, it's a change. It's unfortunate because these are nonpartisan seats, but we seem to have replaced the Democrat-Republican divide when it comes to this school board into a teachers union backed and independent divide. And that's a shame. Well, gentlemen, we're going to take a quick break and talk more about your views of what should be done in our educational system when we come back. The National Association of Nonpartisan Reformers is the only association of nonpartisan election reform leaders, organizations, and industry professionals dedicated to increasing electoral competition and voter choice. Learn more at nonpartisanreformers.org. Welcome back. My guests today are school board trustee Michael Allman and candidate Ty Humes, who envision improving the San Diego Union High School District. Let's talk about the future. Michael, you've already been dealing with a number of serious issues in the district, some of which you've alluded to. And Ty, for some strange reason, you seem prepared to absorb the same type of attacks that Michael's been weathering. So I'd like both of your opinions on the pandemic. Where do you see us now? Online versus in class, mask issues and so forth. And Ty, this time, let's start with you. Well, definitely back to school, for sure. So I think the kids have to be in school. That's been stated on both sides of the political aisle, from a lot of agencies to obviously politicians. That's not even a question from that standpoint. And the issue with the teachers regarding back to school, if you're going to be classified as a first responder, as those other first responders who valiantly went back to work day one, you can't have it from both perspectives, where you, you know, you're going to say you're a first responder, but on the other end, there's a concern that you don't want to go back to school because obviously the chance of catching COVID. So the pandemic in terms of education right now, everyone's got to go back to school. It's not even, it shouldn't even be a debate. And Michael, how do you feel about that? I think that's well understood now that the costs of not having our kids in school in person far outweighs any incremental benefits of having them home. But there are other issues. The pandemic is not behind us. And the one that we're going to be facing, I'm going to be facing as early as this week when we have our board meeting, is the issue of masks. That the CDC has come out and said that if you are vaccinated, perhaps not too big of a surprise, you don't need to wear a mask. If you're vaccinated, you're essentially immune. Now, yes, there can be crossovers and it's not perfect. But by and large, you can choose to go about your life the way you see fit once you've been vaccinated. Well, the state of California apparently has decided that that's not the right thing to do for schools, that all teachers, all students, when in the classroom and inside in school, must wear masks at all times, whether you're vaccinated or not. And you can imagine, TJ, that that some parents get them a little bit upset that when they've done what they feel is the right thing to do for their families and gotten vaccinated, and all of the teachers who want to be vaccinated have already been vaccinated, that they should somehow be punished for that, and now you still have to wear a mask. And some of the reasons that the governor and the state have given are just, in my view, somewhat nonsensical, that, well, what about the kid who isn't wearing a mask compared to the one who is? Are they going to be chastised in some way or made to feel picked upon or bullied? Well, If somebody's going to be bullying, we've got an anti-bullying policy, and we'll put a stop to that. 
but you don't say we're not going to let people who've been fully vaccinated not wear masks because we're concerned about those who do wear masks being singled out. That's not the right balance. It's not the right question to ask. So that pandemic issue is still with us, TJ. So if we look at the actual science, brain development continues through one's mid-20s. And if the brain becomes deprived of oxygen, it lowers our cognitive function. So our basic reactions, ability to respond to crises, our development of information usage, our ability to strategize and so forth, there's an overt tendency to become sleepy and lethargic, makes it difficult to focus. So if we're looking at wearing masks, if masks aren't required by science, we're also elevating the levels of CO2 in the bloodstream. So is that a subject that they would even be interested in at the school board, that they may actually be impacting the brain development of the students? Not so much at high school as even cascading down to the elementary school where they're talking about having preschool children now wear masks. What are your feelings on that? Ty, let's start with you. You nailed it. It comes full circle. And once again, there's been no interest in terms of what's best for the students, the science behind everything. Everything is based on what does the teachers union want to do. And they've clouded that message around science. And obviously, they picked the narratives that work for them. But at the end of the day, they have no focus on the fact that they're detrimental to the learning of the kids and their advancement. And it's setting kids backwards. And they have not even attempted to take this discussion to the parents if they truly care about the families. They'd be holding their own conferences and community gatherings. It's been completely about this is what we mandate, this is what we feel, we think we know best because we're educators. And Michael, I'm going to switch subjects just briefly. You had mentioned earlier the cost of the special election and the recall. You have approximately $174 million total budget in that district, if memory serves me correct, and you've got about a $14 million deficit. What's the justification? Has there been any argument relative to that? with respect to holding a $600,000-plus special election and recall? Well, TJ, this district has run a budget deficit and therefore dug into reserves for five or six years running now. And this year was forecasted to be no different. Well, eventually, when you continue to run deficits, your reserves will fall to zero. And we're not going to be able to borrow to plug any gaps. And we don't want to have to go through any disruptive large-scale cost-cutting exercise. So we have to get our fiscal house in order and control spending, which is one more reason why these ideas of having special elections at what could be over a million dollars cost directly out of the district's general fund that could be used for teacher salaries and for supplies in the classroom, that might just be wasted. Now, the argument for the replacement candidate for Mr. Ty Humes' seat is that, well, the board appointed them and the people didn't elect them. Well, there's an election next November. Or, as you mentioned early in this episode, that the standard operating procedure, 88 out of the low 90s times, you don't waste the money on a special off-cycle election. You make an appointment, especially with only one year to go in a four-year term. To put that into perspective, if and when Mr. Humes wins the seat again, he'll be there for about a year at a cost of over a half a million dollars. That's $40,000 per month. To put that in perspective, his pay will be $400 per month. It's just a waste of resources, but beyond the actual dollars, it's a distraction. 
we have a lot to get accomplished. We have a new teachers union contract to negotiate. We have concerns over our district office. We have curriculum issues coming up. There's a lot of work to be done, but instead of focusing on what needs to be done and doing the best for our students, we're distracted with recall elections and recall attempts. Michael, in the limited amount of time we have left, where can our listeners go to learn more about what you're doing as a trustee and how they can support you if they so choose? There's two spots. One is a Facebook group that's called the SDUHSD Families for School Reopening. There's over 2,000 people in that group, and we talk all things district-related. And then my campaign website is Almond for School Board. That's A-L-L-M-A-N-F-O-R School Board. Com. And that's where you can learn more about my history and what the issues are and help with my campaign to defeat this costly recall attempt. Well, Ty, it's your turn. So where can our listeners go to learn more about your candidacy and perhaps become active in your campaign if they so choose? Sure. It's a Ty, that's T-Y Humes, H-U-M-E-S, so tyhumes.com. It's that simple. And from there, you can volunteer to obviously walk the neighborhoods, be a precinct captain, yard signs, and obviously simple donation or one of the things I cherish the most, just to contact me to discuss anything in your mind regarding the election. Well, Michael Ullman and Ty Humes, you've certainly raised the bar for getting the attention of the teachers union. It's been interesting, albeit in a sad way, to listen to your respective stories. And it's amazing that you're focused on representing the parents and students in your district to improve the educational offering, only to be condemned for it. So welcome to my world. And Michael, I wish you well with the recall, and I hope you have the opportunity to serve the term for which the people elected you. And Ty, good luck to you in your race as well. And I sincerely want to thank you both for joining me on Deconstructed. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by IVN.us, an open news platform for independent-minded authors and readers. If you like what you hear, make sure to subscribe to IVN.us where you listen to podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, or iHeartRadio.